0: The title of what I'm sharing is quite simply, Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Would you say those four words with me? Walk in the Spirit. One more time, a little louder. Walk in the Spirit. And so as you've turned to Galatians chapter five, I felt to share on this topic And I uh, also know that it is in line with our theme for 2020, which is the Holy Spirit. Don't forget, that's our theme, and it still is being carried in our hearts. Now, Galatians 5, we're going to look at verse 16 to 21. I'm reading in the New King James Version. And uh, Lord, let your word come alive to us as we read it right now. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Galatian believers, and this is what he writes. He says in verse 16 of Galatians 5, I say then, walk in the Spirit. Right there is our title. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, right now, I hope that that didn't go over your head, Because right there is good news for all of us. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It says in verse 17, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, I like that, You are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. And Paul gives quite a long list of works of the flesh here, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, would you please keep this passage open as we refer back to it here and there in the message. But Lord, I pray that you would take this word and speak profoundly into our hearts. I'm dependent on you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for fertile soil, ready to receive the seed of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I have three points that I'd like to share with you based on this passage of Scripture. And the first one is one that maybe ordinarily you wouldn't hear me mentioning. Perhaps in that sense, it's an unusual point. But this is point number one. And I say it unapologetically. Sin is still sin. Sin is still sin. Please say that with me. Sin is still sin. And in verses 19 to 21, Paul, the apostle, gives us a clear list of no less than 17 works of the flesh, otherwise known as sins. Now, we could add, I'm sure, a lot more other works of the flesh to that list, but these are some of the noteworthy ones. And uh, one of the questions that may be asked at this point in time is, Why did Paul need to mention all these sins? I mean, couldn't he have made the message just a little bit lighter and more palatable and so on? Why did he need to mention all these sins? Now, some people might ask this question as well, and I ask this question Is it popular to preach about sin nowadays? Is it popular? It is most certainly not popular. You see, some pastors say, listen, you don't need to speak about sin because people already know what is right and wrong. I've heard pastors say those very words. But you know what? I have discovered that from time to time, we all need to be reminded about what sin is. Do you agree with me? From time to time, we all need to be reminded about what sin is, and the reason for this, I believe, is that the world has tried to cloud and confuse the matter and has said, no, 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 things which Bible-believing people said that were sin in the past, uh, no, 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 they're not sin anymore. You've got to understand, times have changed, but let me tell you, the word of the Lord endures forever, and the word of the Lord is our final authority, not what culture says. And so this is the reality. From time to time, we all need to be reminded so that we don't succumb to the confusion that is in the world. And this is why Paul made it very clear. And he listed not just two or three things, which are works of the flesh, he listed 17 things. That's quite a list. And I believe that if Paul felt the need to make it clear of what sin is, then I believe pastors in this day and age should from time to time also make it clear of what sin is, amen? I believe that if you are part of a church, those listening to me, and you never ever hear any reference to sin, I wonder if they are preaching the full counsel of God. At the same time, I believe that this is not something that should be hammered on all the time, no. But I believe that there are times when we need to remind ourselves of what God's Word clearly says. Now, I want to tell you something that I heard of this week, and and I was um, saddened. I was actually deeply saddened this week because I heard about a former church leader, and it emerged that he has been involved in several affairs. Now, I have known this guy, not very closely, but I have known him, and when I heard this, I quite frankly was shocked. I was really shocked. And you know, the thing is that about 10 years ago, approximately, he actually preached in this pulpit. He preached and ministered very well. Had a very, at that stage, uh, a very dynamic and an influential church and i thought to me how I thought to myself how can this be when the man knows the good he ought to do but when you don't do the good you ought to do to him it is sin and i thought to myself this is really sad i was actually feeling like discouraged because of hearing this And you know what, I really pray that this man will repent of what he has done totally and completely because you know, we do serve a God of the second chance and if there is true repentance, God can even restore him and use him wonderfully again in the future. But it just made me realize that sin is still sin and I wanna say to you clearly that adultery is sin. Let it be known clearly. And I'd like to comment also on two of the works of the flesh that Paul mentions here, aside from the adultery one that I've just referred to. Paul mentions fornication. Now, just to explain, uh, fornication is sexual relations outside of the covenant of marriage. And there is no doubt, biblically speaking, that sex outside of marriage is sin. And so I'm not gonna say to you, well, it's okay because it's not okay according to the word of God. And you say, but the world does so much of it. Well, that doesn't matter what the world does. We have the word of God. Let me just also remind you that Noah was the only righteous man in his generation and still he did what was right and pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And on this earth, there's still many righteous people living honorably before the Lord And you might just say, well, there's so many doing it. That's no excuse. Noah was still righteous in his generation. And so I wanna say to you that if you are in this situation, maybe here in the auditorium today, maybe listening to me, and you are living together with somebody, but you are not married to them, I want to say, would you let us help you? (laughs) We're a church that we're in the helping ministry, if I can put it that way. Would you let us help you to firstly repent of that and then help you to get married? Many of our pastors are marriage officers And we can marry you in the sight of God, most importantly, and also in the sight of man, and let us help you. And you know what? As a result, the blessing of the Lord will come upon your life because you're honoring His ways and you're honoring His principles. The blessing of the Lord, the Bible says, is our greatest wealth. All our effort adds nothing to that. And so let me just say that we are here to help you. I also just want to mention a caution to any heads of the home that are here today that are listening to me, and I want to say this, that if you allow your son or your daughter to live together with their girlfriend or boyfriend under your roof, I need to let you know that you become party to that sin, that there is partial guilt on your hands as well. And so I have to say these things because we want to be a church of no compromise. We want to be a church where the glory of the Lord is experienced every week. But the glory of the Lord will only come where our hearts are endeavoring to honor God and be right before Him. Can I get an amen on that? Another one that's mentioned here is selfish ambition. This is also a sin. Now perhaps this is something that we've viewed as more acceptable in the past, but I want to tell you, God views this as a work of the flesh. A person can be taken and consumed by selfish ambition. And suddenly they are so consumed in their corporate culture with getting up the ladder of so-called success that they couldn't care about anybody. They will break and destroy anybody's corporate life or whatever as long as they get to the top. They are completely absorbed with themselves and they are selfish, selfish to the core. There is tremendous ambition to be at the top. And that selfish ambition, do you know what? It is a work of the flesh, and it does not please the Lord. And it says in verse 21 of our text, which I hope you keep in open, the second part of verse 21, it says, Those who practice such things, these 17 works of the flesh, will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'd like to emphasize the word practice. Would you please say the word practice? A little bit louder. Practice. And so, yeah, we all face temptations, I face temptations, our leadership team, pastoral team, we all face temptations, but if you surrender to that temptation and begin to practice such things, I have to tell you the word of the Lord says, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is certainly quite sobering. And don't look at me being cross with me because I didn't put this in the Word of God. It's God's Word. And we honor His Word. We revere His Word. And so this is quite sobering. It says in Psalm 24, verse 3 to 4, it says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And how do you have clean hands and a pure heart? You have it because of the righteousness of Jesus that is coming to your life through salvation and also through choosing to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. But realize this, God is a holy God. He is a holy God and he cannot tolerate sin. And so we need to keep a clear understanding of what sin is, especially in the end times. But you know what? By God's grace, you and I can live free from the bondage of sin. And that is so wonderfully glorious, amen? So that's point number one. Sin is still sin. Point number two of three points We need the power of the Spirit to defeat the flesh. Say that with me. We need the power of the Spirit to defeat the flesh. Now, in verse 16 to 18 of our text in Galatians 5, I just want to read those three verses to you, but this is from the Passion Translation, and it makes it very beautifully alive. Can I read it to you? It says, just listen up, it says... As you and I yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. goes on to say, For your self-life craves things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder Him from living freely within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are the self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. I really like that. The new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace you will no longer be living under the domination of the law but you will be soaring above it so do you see in verse that first verse verse 16 there's this aspect of yielding to the spirit and then not giving in to these cravings that want to get you into sin and the works of the flesh now some theologians theologians and I just want to point this out here they have said, you know what, this passage has nothing to do with the inner struggle, but it has to do with the struggle between law and grace. And they give three reasons for this. The one reason they give is that verse 17 says, these are contrary to one another, and they believe that they ref- that refers to law and grace. Been contrary. Another thing that they say is in verse eighteen. It says, "But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law." And so they say this is a law and grace thing. Also, they say that uh, the the further emphasis to this interpretation is because the overall theme of Galatians is a struggle between law and grace. And I was thinking about this and thinking about how I was reading this in uh, one of the uh, commentaries that I was reading, and the conviction of my heart is the following. I believe that this passage actually has a dual meaning because it refers both to the struggle between law and grace and also the struggle between the flesh and the spirit And do you know that the law actually represents the flesh? And grace actually represents the spirit. And so, in actual fact, this all makes perfect sense. And there is a dual meaning, but also both of these meanings are in full agreement. And so, what we are saying here is uh, just wonderfully confirmed in how the Lord is speaking through His Word. But folks you know that there is a struggle that rages in your heart and life. You know it. When you just want to hate that person, but hatred is a work of the flesh, there is most definitely the struggle between our fleshly cravings and what the Spirit of God desires. It's not an easy battle, but you know what? I have good news for you, because the Holy Spirit is here to help us in our weakness and make us strong. The Holy Spirit, He is the one that helps us defeat the flesh. Can you say, can you say amen? Now, as far as I'm concerned, related to our passage today, I believe the phrase that I don't want you to forget, which is the most important, is these four words walk in the Spirit. Please say that with me walk in the Spirit. I believe that this is key to what we're reading about today. You know, as a young man, I would read this phrase walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I sensed that somehow this was the secret to victory over the flesh and defeating the flesh. But somehow I didn't yet know how to walk in the Spirit. And let me say, if you don't know how to put the truth into practice, you will still be stuck. And you will still not be walking in victory. So, I want to help you here today with something that has helped me. So the question is, how do we practically walk in the Spirit to not fulfill those lusts of the flesh? When you're facing this temptation to lie about something, when you're facing a temptation to look at pornography, how do you practically walk in the Spirit? And I want to make it real simple. There are three quick things. Let me mention it. Firstly, number one, recognize that we are completely free from the power of sin. It has no dominion over us, and we are righteous in Christ. You've got to come to the place where you believe this in your heart, where you do not believe that you're a dirty, rotten sinner. No, because you're washed by the blood of Jesus, and the power of sin is broken over your life. So this is the first key to walking in the Spirit. Recognize that sin is broken over your life. The second key is that when we face temptation, we must consciously choose to do what pleases the Holy Spirit. I wanna tell you when you face temptation, you and I, we have a choice to make, but we must constantly choose to do what pleases the Spirit. And then the third aspect is that we then rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Really and truly rely on it. <laughs> Say, God, I cannot overcome this in my own strength, but now I rely on you. And you know what? He brings you to this place of victory. So just once again, these three things are to recognize, to choose, and to rely. You recognize that you are dead to sin and righteous in Jesus. Jesus then you choose to do what pleases God and then you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and I can tell you, as surely as I live and breathe, God gives victory because what's happening, you are walking in the Spirit. And so I'd like to say to you that walking in the Spirit is not so mysterious. Walking in the Spirit is something that you and I should be doing on a daily basis, and in so doing, we are not gratifying the flesh, and we are walking in victory. And I know, as I'm talking to people today, I know that there are many people with struggles, struggles in the fleshly craving, but the good news is God has set you up for victory. And this is confirmed by Romans 8 verse 2, where it says, the power, this is in the New Living Translation, the power of the life-giving Spirit has set you free from the power of sin. The older translations say, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. will not you put my mic just a fraction louder, please? Now, let me say, I'm encouraged by this because there was a law that was in our operation. It's called the law of sin and death. But now there is a higher, greater law in operation. It is called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And as we are consciously uh, relying on the power of the life of God, the life of the spirit through Jesus, we have victory. We have victory. Now, this brings me to point number three. But just to recap, point number one, sin is still sin. Point number two, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to defeat the flesh. And number three, which is a shorter point, know for sure that you, child of God, can rise above the struggle and you can live in victory by His Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? May I just repeat that? Let that sink in a little bit. Know for sure that you can rise above the struggle and you can live in victory, but it is by His Spirit who has come to help us and enable us. In Romans 8 verse 4, it says the following in the God's Word translation. It says, therefore we who do not live by our corrupt nature but by our spiritual nature, that's our new spiritual nature, are able to meet God's standards. Folks, do you understand that we can meet God's standards do you understand that we can have a life of victory? It is so wonderful. And so I want to just emphasize here for a few moments, I want to emphasize the victory of God. I want to emphasize that we can rise above. I want to emphasize that we are more than conquer- conquerors. I want to emphasize that we are not defeated by sin and that we are overcomers. Can I get a loud amen? Amen. And it says in John 1, sorry, 1 John 5 verse 4, it says, Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, If you are born of God, it means that you are born again. You've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you can say that I am born again? Raise your hand. I am born again. I am born of God. Well, I want to say to you, if that is the case, then you are an overcomer. will not you please say to the person next to you, you are an overcomer. Tell them that. You're an overcomer. And that's in 1 John 5 verse 4, but a little further on in the chapter, John speaks beautifully about this life of victory that we have, which includes freedom from habitual sin. Let me just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. 1 John 5 verse 18 to 21 in the New Living Translation, it says, We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. I like that. We know that we are the children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we Live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. And then it ends with this phrase, dear children, keep away from anything that may take God's place in your hearts. And so I want to say to you folks under this last point that knowing God, listen carefully, means knowing freedom. Knowing God means knowing victory. And knowing God means knowing eternal life. Do you say amen to that? Now, I want to conclude by just reading one last scripture to end off on this note of victory. And it's in 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. This is beautiful, and you know what? I can remember my dad, Pastor Ed Robert, many, many times declaring this scripture. It's a lovely one. 2 Peter 1 verse three, and it says, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice those words, life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by glory and virtue. And so I want to say to you, everything that you need, child of God, has been given to you to live a life of victory. Can somebody say hallelujah, that we have everything. Come on, put your hands together and just bless the Lord. Amen. Praise God. And it is not because of your own strength but it is His divine power. Will you rely on His divine power? Because if you will rely on His divine power, you'll experience all of the victory that you need, all that you need for life and for godliness, which includes saying no to the works of the flesh. And so I say yet again, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. I'm going home from this service rejoicing in the goodness and the presence of the Lord, in the word being declared. And Lord, we don't want to only be hearers of the word, but we want to be doers of the word. And we pray, especially Lord God, as we go into this week, that you would help us to apply those three principles when the enemy wants to come and tempt us, Lord, help us to recognize that we uh, have victory over sin. Help us to recognize that, Lord Jesus. And then help us, Lord, in terms of uh, the next point and the next, I'm oh, forgetting it right now. But help us to know each of these aspects, Lord, that we can know that we have victory in you, Lord Jesus, that we can recognize that that we can rely on your power, Heavenly Father, and that we can choose to please the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, as your people go, I thank you that we go in victory, knowing that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so I bless your people now. Would you just receive this blessing from your Father in heaven? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, and we all say amen, amen everybody. God bless you. Have a-